Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. Are you a brand new real estate investor and you're still struggling trying to get your very first deal done because you don't have the funding and the money to do it? Or are you a wholesaler and you've wholesaled some deals, you got some assignment fees, but there's some deals that you want to stay in, but you can't stay in the deals because you don't have the money to fund the deal? Or are you a seasoned real estate investor and you just want more funding so you can do more deals at really super cheap interest rates? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the money. Well, welcome to another episode of the Private Money Academy podcast. I'm Jay Connor, your host, also known as the Private Money Authority. And if you've been tuning into the show, you know I always have such amazing guests and experts come here on the show. Today is no exception. My good friend and guest, she is what's known as a like the epitome of being a virtual investor, investing in properties all across the nation in markets that she does has never even been in herself in person. But before I bring my guest on to talk about virtual wholesaling and being a virtual investor, I've got a free gift for you just for showing up here on the show. And that is I want to send you a free copy of my new book, which is titled Where to Get the Money Now, How and Where to Get Money for Your Real Estate Deals Without Relying on Traditional or Hard Money Lending. So this book will plug you in step by step how to quickly get private money for all of your real estate deals and have extra money sitting on the shelf. You're actually going to have a good problem. You're not going to be able to put all the money to work. This will show you step-by-step step how I went from having no private money to over $2 million in private money for my deals in less than 90 days. I love to autograph a copy for you, ship it out to you, 
The book is free, just covers shipping and handling. You can get it at www.jayconner.com forward slash book. That's www.jayconner.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. Well, my good friend today is a real estate investor, and she's got what we call a servant's heart. She has got a put people first approach to business. Now, she has invested in hundreds and hundreds of properties in her career. And when you hear how young she is, it doesn't even sound fair. But anyway, she's invested in all these properties over career. And she's got a very, very special and unique reputation of being a what's called successful virtual investor, having not lived in many of the states that she has invested in properties. So in addition to that, she's been able to preserve in extremely competitive markets by constantly following the markets. So she perseveres, she competes, no matter how competitive the market is, and she's flexible. And since she's virtual, she can move from this area to that territory to other markets, depending on where the hottest markets are. Now, she currently lives in Southern California with her two daughters, and she invests in properties all over the country. And with that, I'm so excited to have as my guest here on the show, my dear friend, Miss Lauren Hardy. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. How is it out in California today? It is nice. You know, it's sunny, but the weather's a little crisp and cool. It's it's nice for almost December. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Lauren, I know that all of our listeners uh, really want to hear the nuts and bolts about how you're able to virtually invest in properties. I mean, how do you find them in other markets? I mean, what kind of team do you have to have in place and all that kind of stuff? And I want all of our listeners to also know that you're going to be giving away here on the show a, um, a free course on wholesaling, but we'll give that out a little bit later. So before we jump into all of that, I'd love to start with Lauren. How did you get started in real estate? Well, I got started in real estate almost 10 years ago, nine years to be exact. I got started mainly because I just didn't want to have a corporate job anymore. Um, I didn't want to, you know, check into my eight to five. I had just had my first child, Reese, at the time. And I learned very quickly, you know, that being a mom and having a full-time corporate job with an hour commute is very, very difficult. And as soon as I became a mom, I said, this is not for me. I had to find a way to get out of this, you know, grind. (laughs) So I was fortunate that my brother had started flipping houses in the local market in Orange County at the time. And he just made the suggestion, why don't you try flipping houses like I do? Um, I had no interest in real estate investing per se or house flipping at the time. I didn't even really know what my brother did. I never really paid attention. Um, But I said, wait, I don't have to have a full-time job. Like I can stay home and probably do this while working from home or with my kids. Sign me up, whatever it was. So that was the beginning of a very, very long journey, which I'm sure we're going to get into today. Well, that's fantastic, Lauren. So when you started out, um, you know, what were some of your struggles and challenges and difficulties uh, that you were faced with and uh, how did you work through them? Well, when I first got started, 
I had to still work my full-time corporate job because between my husband and I, um, which I am now divorced, so I'll give you some context, I was married then. And uh, between, you know, my husband and I, we weren't making a ton of money. We, we were dual income and we both needed those incomes. So I could not just go quit and, and start this new venture. I had to work the corporate job. Um, the hours were eight o'clock in the morning, five o'clock at night, and it was an hour commute there and back. So I had to stick with that and, you know, figure out how to start this house flipping business on the side. Um, so time management was a big struggle. Um, um, I pretty much for a year had to like give up any type of social life and watching TV. There was no time for that. Um, so I really, you know, but I was focused. I, I just kept dreaming of, you know, quitting that full-time job. And I kept that um, vision centered, you know, in, in my brain every day that, you know, I'm only going to have to do this for maybe a year um, because I'm going to hit that goal. And what my goal was is I wanted to have a full year salary saved up before I quit my full-time job. Um, so it did take me a year to do this. Now, one fun fact is that I also was pregnant. So I had found out I was pregnant with my second child right as I was starting this business. And that was part of the motivation was I don't want to have two kids now in daycare every day. Um, so um, I was pregnant. Um, I was tired. I had a full-time job, but I said, you know what? None of this matters because I need to be able to quit this full-time job. I do not want to go back to it after maternity leave. Um, so it took me a full year. I flipped two houses in that first year. And within that, um, I did them with my brother. So I split the net profit on both. But with those proceeds, I was able to save up a full year salary. And I was able to, you know, quit my full time job uh, right before I had to go back from my maternity leave. So it really, really worked out. Uh, but it was very challenging. So you started 10 years ago. What does your business look like today? Real quick, y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money, feed their families, and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. You know, the thing about real estate investing is I think, you know, you need to be flexible with what you do. Otherwise, you're probably not going to be very well suited for this business. I have had to be very flexible and pivot. And my business has changed so much. What I did in 2000, you know, 13 is not what I did in 2016 is not what I'm doing now. Um, as markets change, as the real estate market changes, you know, you change your exit strategies, you know, you change, you know, your markets. For me, it's I've changed my markets. Um, so back then when I first got started, I started as a house flipper in my local market um, and some of the surrounding counties. So that's Orange County, LA County, Riverside County. That was my market territory. 
as the real estate market started picking up, because when I got started, this was like post-recession. So there was a lot of inventory. It was very easy to flip a house. Anybody who wanted to flip a house could be a house flipper, uh, but not very many people wanted to because <laughs> of you know the recession that we just went through. So in two, about 2015, I really noticed that inventory was drying up in my market territory. And it was getting very hard to find a deal that penciled and made sense. You know, by the time I flipped it and put, it put all the costs involved, you know, I was maybe making a 5% cash on cash return. And you're going, you know, this is really risky now because this could get eaten up by a, by a construction cost. And what's crazy is, you know, people were still paying. I mean, I was competing with other investors offering these insanely competitive offers to sellers. And I, I just go, gosh, like I don't feel comfortable paying these prices anymore because I'm using private money lenders to fund these flips. If I lose their money, I mean, I, I'm not losing their money over my dead body. Right. So, you know, I, I lucky for me, I'm pretty well networked. And I had a lot of friends all over the country and I'm hearing, you know, what my other fellow flipper friends are are paying on homes and their returns and and their returns are still in the healthy, like 10 to 15 percent cash on cash, um, you know, level. Um, they're not having to spend so much in direct to seller marketing to get that one deal. I was getting where like we were spending ten thousand dollars to get one deal. Um, so it was it was getting crazy. It was getting crazy. You know, you're going, oh, my gosh, after spending all this money, like, do I even end up making money? You know, at the end of it, it was crazy, right? So I, in 2015, I started talking to other people that were in other states and putting things together, you know, and going, wait, it's, it's just my market. Like there's still other areas in the country where we could still real estate, you know, invest in real estate, make the returns we want to make and do the volume I want to do. I just need to learn how to do this in another state. So in 2016 was when I uh, picked up my first virtual project, which actually happened to be a new build. So in 2016, I started building houses in Nashville. And um, so that was weird. <laughs> you know, that was just, I kind of went with it. <laughs> and um, it was an amazing time. I, I made great money on those things. And um, it got me to, that was my first virtual experience um, was, you know, new builds. When I was in Nashville, though, I noticed there was so much demand for these lots for new builds. So I started marketing, you know, in, in, with the idea that I would wholesale, you know, what I didn't want. So we started marketing. And first it was like the idea of marketing to, you know, for potential development projects to then sell to other developers. Then it turned into, you know, just marketing to any other seller, you know, and absentee owners and just see what I can pick up. Cause there was hedge funds that were buying there. And there's, I mean, tons of people were interested in buying Nashville real estate. So that's when I got more into the volume wholesale model. And I started wholesaling houses and flipping and developing less um, because it is very difficult, you know, to flip from a distance. I will say that's a pretty hard thing to pull off. Developing's a little easier. Uh, for different reasons. Um, but that's when it's turned into more of a wholesale model. From there, I went, uh, I, I actually pivoted to a different market. Nashville started getting very competitive. Nashville returns started shrinking. And um, 
you know, I realize I need to pick an area that's not like California, not like Nashville, because they're kind of similar in their extremely just hot, like, you know, on the map for very desirable areas to live right now. Let's pick like your more bread and butter middle America area that's like, you know, just not in the news for anything. So I I picked Oklahoma City. It's a good landlord rental market. Prices are, have been relatively stable in that market. Um, so I, I picked Oklahoma city and actually I've been in Oklahoma city ever since. Um, I'm now in like three other markets, but Oklahoma city is one of my main ones. Um, so now, um, my business, let's fast forward nine years later, I'm focused on wholesaling right now. And, um, I, I do have the goal of 2022 to start getting into syndicating multi multifamily deals. Um, but right now it's, it's strictly virtual wholesaling. And the reason I'm, I'm just virtual wholesaling right now, I'm not getting into any flip projects is I actually coach wholesaling. Now I, I coach virtual wholesaling. I have a course. So I use my, my virtual wholesaling business as a test kitchen for my coaching program. So I'm very, very just niche focused on virtual wholesaling and four markets that are kind of different from each other. So I've got a lot of variety. I got a lot of real hands-on experience, and then I'm able to better serve my students and my coaching program on how to virtual wholesale. That's so that's awesome. what I do now. Yeah. That's awesome, Lauren. Just in case we've got some listeners that have to jump off early, I want everybody to go ahead and get the website. Uh, where they can get your free wholesaling course that you're giving away. And that's at www.laurenhardy, L-A-U-R-E-N, Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y, C-O.com. That's laurenhardyco.com. And uh, you even got a flip calculator and a um, you've got a uh, seller script there uh, as well, don't you? We got lots of freebies in there, yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for offering that to our to our listeners. Now, this virtual wholesaling thing is very, very intriguing. First of all, how do you choose? I mean, it's easy to choose a market you need to leave if you're not making money. But how do you choose a market and research it to where it's a market that you want to go to? Where do you find the information and the facts and the statistics? And what's your criteria? Right, right. So it really depends on your objective. You know, are you, what is your long-term goal? Um, so my, I, I'm going to stick with more of my student base. So primarily the students that come to me, they want a wholesale, they want a wholesale volume, you know, they want to quit their full-time job and, and they want, you know, to replace it with, you know, steady income of, of doing wholesale deals. Um, so if wholesaling, is, you know, your end goal, you need to pick a market that's conducive to wholesaling. Um, if you are like wanting to develop houses one day and build houses one day, well, you need to pick a market that is conducive to development where you see that there, you know, is a demand for home, you know, for houses and, you know, development is the thing I call a developer's market market, like development is the thing there to do. Um, so if, if we can, let's pick one, you know, for the sake of this show, pick one, um, exit strategy. And I'm going to choose wholesaling, assuming that that's, um, you know, what you might look to do and you're looking for a market to wholesale in. That so, sounds good, Lauren. Now, before you go forward, let's make sure everybody's on the same page. Give everybody your definition of what a wholesale deal, wholesale deal is and what makes it a wholesale deal. Perfect. So 
wholesaling is when you get a wholesaling a house, let's say wholesaling a single family residence is when you get a property at a discount and then you turn around and you sell your contract to that property to an end buyer. So you're not traditionally, you are not closing on the house with your own money. You are selling that contract before you even have to. So we will get a purchase contract on a property. And what I'm doing is I'm turning around and I'm going to market my equitable interest. So what that's called is equitable interest. And I'm going to sell my equitable interest for a fee. We call that a wholesale fee. So wholesaling is just a jargon term. If you talk to an attorney who's not specialized in our business, they're going to look at you with a blank stare and not know what you're talking about. What you want to call it is contract assignments. Then an attorney is going to perk up a little bit and know what you're talking about. So I'm assigning my contracts for a fee. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I interrupted you, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So go ahead. Oh, perfect. I'm glad you did. So assuming that that is the exit strategy that you want to do, the first, th when you're picking a market, you're going to look at two things. Okay. I, there, it's going to be data in two categories. There's statistical data, which is actual data you can pull and it's numbers, right? But then there's also gut feelings. I, I like to, there, I think I like, or I like to put some weight on gut feelings. I just think that's a good term for it, right? So the first thing when you're picking a market, it, and it sounds kind of crazy, but it's so simple and it's in the gut feeling category is I want to find the proof of concept. What I mean by that is, are there other people in this market doing what you're trying to do? That It's as simple as that. Can you go and easily find five people that are wholesaling five houses a month relatively easy? You know, now, can you go you on, find them? you can go on Facebook and, and type in the market you might be interested in. So let's assume you have five markets that you might be interested in. And the reason you're interested in these five markets is because you went to college to want at one, you live in one. Um, I don't know, your friend moved to one, you know, like you have some ideas of markets. You heard one is doing really well right now. You know, these are all the reasons people come to me with different market ideas. Start with that. And in those markets, you know, you can you can go to Facebook and look up and see if those markets have a real estate investment association Facebook page. Usually all of them do. Made most major metros do, even the smaller metros do. Um, so start there and look to see who if people are posting deals. You'll know the wholesalers that are posting deals. They'll say, I've got a contract on a house, and they usually post a picture and they write, you know, some of the deal statistics and facts and what they're asking for. So if you can, with relative ease, you know, find the proof of concept, that's your first step. If you're having a hard time in that area finding the proof of concept, it's going to be a harder area to wholesale houses in. That's just a fact. And that's just that like 350 students I've had, like, I just noticed that that's, it's this weird gut feeling thing, but it's, it's necessary. Um, from there, um, I now let's go to statistical data. So I really like to put a lot of weight on population. Um, I don't want to go anywhere that's too rural. So I want to stay, you know, at least 150,000 population within the county at minimum. 
you know, anything smaller, you're going to really run out of people that are probably buying there and you're going to run out of sellers to market to. Um, so I like to stay 150 or more. I also like to look at the average house price. So I don't want anything too cheap and I don't want anything too expensive. So this, this is where it kind of depends on your tolerance and it's subject to opinion. But I personally enjoy more of a volume wholesale model, meaning that I'm doing more deals. But in return, I have to give up something. And what I'm giving up is my average deal size. So I prefer to do smaller deals, but more of them than the large deal, but they come once every three months or four months. So in I like to call it elephant hunting versus squirrel hunting. So squirrel hunting, easier to do. You're going to be getting more of them. Elephants, you're kind of waiting out for that big elephant to hunt, right? I, I have people that, you know, they're all about elephant hunting. And this is where when I say the, this, when I go into this spiel publicly, I usually will get a couple comments. <laughs> whatever you want to do, whatever is good for your psyche, you know, is best for you. But when you're in a squirrel hunting mentality, here's the price range you need to stick with. I like to stick between, I don't want to, I, I like to say where the average house price in the area or in the county is between 130 to 200,000. So that is a perfect squirrel hunting zone for me. So if that market, you just do at go, Google average house price, Philadelphia, and you see, you know, it's 180,000. I'm just guessing. Um, that's great. You're in that squirrel hunting zone. If you choose to be an elephant hunter, which is not my choice, but if you do, then yeah, you are going to be okay with a $300,000 average pur purchase price. The people that I see that are elephant hunters usually fall into this category. They're, they don't have a lot of personal obligations, you know, so if they don't make, you know, money this month, it's not that big of a deal. They're usually single, don't have kids can kind of, you know, low, low expenses, low personal expenses. Those are the best elephant hunters and good, like good for you. I have got two kids. I've got mouths to feed. So I need to see psychologically checks coming in. I just need that. Me psychologically not seeing checks coming in, but knowing there's a $60,000 check in 38 days all I'm thinking of is if that deal falls apart, I'm not going to be able to pay my, you know, kids expenses. <laughs> like that's all I'm thinking about for 38 days. And I'm having a heart attack. You know, I'm, ha I'm not sleeping at night and I don't want that life. So back to, you know, my point here is you got to under, you got to understand your psychology and what, what kind of business do you want here? What do you want to be in? Um, for me, if you are in the squirrel hunting business, that $130,000 to $200,000 purchase price average is a real sweet spot for that. So hopefully now, that Lauren, gives you an idea. Yeah. Now, Lauren, just to be sure um, we understand, the $130,000 to $200,000, are you talking the after repaired value of the house or your purchase price as a no. wholesaler? What I'm saying is in the territory, because we're talking about what market, like picking a market. So say you have... Uh, give me a market name uh, now. Um, why don't we say uh, Irving, Texas? 
Irving, Texas. Perfect, right? I want to know that the average house price in Irving, Texas is between 130 and 200,000. Okay, define price. The price, the average, literally the average purchase price of property in Irving, Texas. That, so that's you, what they're selling. That's what they're selling for. On average. Yeah. That's there and that go. is like on the market. On the market. Right. On average. Yeah, on, that's average what I mean. Price. On the market price. On the market on price. On the market price. In, yeah. in the multiple in, in the multiple listing service. Yep. Yep. And you can find that, you know, uh, Zillow has a great page for this. So if you just Google literally average house price, Irving, Texas, usually Zillow will be the first or second and it's the Zillow market page. And I love that Zillow market page. It, it gives you sort of like a, you know, a little summary of Irving, Texas, and it'll say average house price is 150,000. So that's what I'm looking for. Gotcha. Um, so I just had another question come to my mind that I want to jot down real quick and make sure that I ask you. Um, now, what is in that 130000 to 200000 uh, average prices, uh, what is the average wholesale fee or contract assignment fee that you're seeing that wholesalers are able to get? Yeah. So amazing question. So on average... It's actually more of a percentage. I'm going to give you a percentage because you can take that with you wherever you go. What I've noticed from high volume wholesalers that I network with, talk to my, my students and myself is on average, wholesale fees tend to be about 10% of this, of the sale price to the end buyer. So not so much, doesn't really so much have to do with, with the, you know, ARV or anything like that. It's more of what you sold it to the end buyer at. They're usually around 10%. So you're talking about like if I'm a wholesaler and you are another real estate investor. So wholesalers, buyers are other real estate investors that's got the cash to take the deal down and 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 close on that contract, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying the average is 10% of whatever you sell it to the other real estate investor for? Yes. So if you got a property under contract as the wholesaler for $90,000 and you sold it to an end buyer, I call it end buyer. Um, you sold it to an end buyer for a hundred thousand. You'd like to expect $10,000 as a wholesale fee. There now, you are go. you going to always get it? No, because you might not have negotiated well enough and, and the, you know, the end buyer doesn't want to pay what you want them to pay. I mean, some of this is just, subject to your negotiation skills or abilities with the seller and buyer demand. But you would like to see, I like to use 10% as a benchmark because if you see yourself on average lower than that, there's two things happening. You either need to fix your machine, there's something wrong with you, or you're just in a saturated area. You're in an area where there's a lot of other wholesalers going after the same houses. And I'm because I'm in four markets, I can say like we have some areas where, you know, it's just saturated and sellers have options and they bid up the price. Um, so if you're better than 10 percent now, that's good. You're, you're probably in an area that's not very saturated and you're doing really good. You're doing good. Your machine is not broken. You know, Lauren, this side of uh, COVID has um, presented us with a very, very interesting market. Uh, inventory is still pretty much tight across the nation. Mm -hmm. um, and 
um, you know, I've been in this business full time since 2003 and it's more of a challenge today, at least in my little teeny tiny market to find a deal because of inventory than it was, you know, leading up. So with that in mind, what are your favorite or your best way that you like today on locating sellers, locating deals? Yeah. I mean, inventory is a problem across the board, um, but I am still going direct to seller and we primarily focus on text message blasting and TV ads right now. Yeah. But I've I got some, you and I've got some fellow friends that are really, I mean, I got one friend, you probably know who I'm talking about in the um, Philadelphia area that is investing $40,000 a month in TV ads. <laughs> I believe it. That's, that's crazy. That's, that a is, that's, a, that's a heavy, yeah, that's a heavy budget. I think mine <laughs> is about 7,000 a territory. Right, right. So, but I want, our, I want our listeners to know you don't need a 40,000, a 20,000, no. 10,000, or even a $5,000 a month budget, uh, you know, to get started if you haven't, uh, you know, one of my most consistent ways that I'm getting leads here in my small market is uh, actually Facebook leads uh, oh. and, and Google. Uh, Google. Google leads are the most valuable because those motivated sellers are looking for us. They're searching, you know, buy my house fast, sell my house mm -hmm. fast and that kind of thing. So what kind of team do you need in place in an outside market to make a virtual wholesaling business work? Yeah. So, you know, you're going to start small, you know, you're not going to start overnight hiring a bunch of people and being, you know, fully sustainable in your own market. You're going to have to rely on some partners at first. So I tell all my student base at first, you want to find another wholesaler to work with as a joint venture partner. So I call that your JV partner. And that's your first mission is to find one to three JV partners that you can work with regularly until you really got that market figured out. And that's going to take five to 10 deals for you. Um, even us being, you know, I've been doing this for almost a decade and we still use a JV partner every time we go into a new market because every market has nuances that would take you forever to learn on your own. But you work with a JV partner and you, you'll figure it out in five deals and, and that's worth it because time's money. So my first recommendation, you definitely want to get a JV partner and that person is going to help you, you know, go and do the inspection and walk buyers through and, and anything that requires like boots on ground, right? That is your first person that you need. You know, once you start phasing out where you don't need a JV partner anymore, maybe you've built your own buyers list to a point where you can move deals on your own, you can replace uh, those activities that the JV was doing with what I call a runner. So I'm the runner. It's it, I made up the term. I don't even know. Maybe someone else made it up. I, I call like an errand runner, basically. So I call him a runner. And it's somebody that we find like on Craigslist um, that we hire at, on an as needed basis to run these types of errands for us. And we train them, you know, we train them how to walk through a property and take the photos and um, walk buyers through the property and handle, handle buyer walkthroughs. So um, though we really do rely heavily on runners and that's pretty much it as far as boots on ground. I mean, everything else, of course, you're going to need your local escrow company. That's, you know, that's kind of a given, but you need that even if you weren't virtual. Um, but 
having a local presence, you really just need either a JV partner or a runner to start. We do all of our acquisitions over the phone, local to me, because I want to be able to manage my team. So we don't need, you know, a local acquisition person. We do everything over the phone. That makes sense. So what is your formula on deciding what is the most that you can offer for a property? Good. I, that's a great question. I don't use any type of formula like a ARV times 70 minus repair. I actually am known to publicly say that I hate that rule. I think it's the worst rule ever and it's gotten people in a lot of trouble. Um, the ARV times 70 percent minus repair rule does not work in all markets because of the 70 percent. So like if you were in California, it would be ARV times 95 (laughs) percent minus repairs. And then you'd maybe have a competitive offer, right? Um, ARV times 70 doesn't work in Oklahoma City because it's a landlord market. People aren't, my end buyers aren't usually flippers. They're people that are buying these things for rentals. So what do you do as a wholesaler? Because you don't really know who's going to end up buying your property. You've got this pile of buyers and some of them are landlords and some of them are flippers and some of them are hedge funds and they have different requirements, you know? So there's a point where you got to just look at the value of the real estate and you just look. So what we do is we look and we just look for comps. We, we look for what we look for. What are other investors paying in this area for homes? So we will literally, for every property, we just put the address in and we are looking in that immediate area, maybe a half mile or less. And we want to find the obvious investor purchases, the fixer upper homes, the, the sales that went to the LLCs. We look at that pricing right there and we try to compare our house to those properties to see where our fares, where ours, you know, match up. Sometimes this is a super easy process. You find comps that are so just in that obvious range of 75,000 to 85,000, for example, and it's just so obvious, right? And you just tell the seller, all right, I'll offer you 75,000 because you've got comps to support it. You've got addresses to say, well, but Mr. Seller, look, this house sold here on Main Street for 75,000 and this one sold for 74 and this, right? So we do this so we can support our narrative to the seller as we're negotiating. When you do this formula, the seller's not going to care about your formula. You know, they're not going to care about what you want. They just want to know, you know, that they're getting paid a fair price. So you having this backup data to say, you know, I've got three comps that sold within the price that I'm offering you. You know, that's how we come up with price. And that's what helps us in our negotiations. One of the things that I see newbies do, and, and we always crush them in our market, um, or my newer students as well, you know, and I crush them <laughs> and I beat this thought out of them, is they use formulas. They use, okay, ARV is this, I'm going to times it by this, and I'm going to pull out some number, some random number for repairs that I made up. Usually it's always $30,000 and like, that's my offer. The seller doesn't care. The seller's like, why do I care? You know? So, um, I try to reframe people's thinking with this, with pricing. If you can think of pricing these houses the same way 
you would price your used 1995 Chevy Tahoe that you're selling. If you could think of it like that, you'll you'll be much less stressed when you're coming up with offer pricing. That's brilliant, Lauren. Brilliant. In fact, the wisest advice I've heard on that subject from uh, almost anybody. Lauren, one more time, I want people to know how to connect with you, how to get your wholesaling course. And that's again at www.laurenhardy, L-A-U-R-E-N, Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y-C-O.com. And um, parting comments there, Lauren. Well, I just want to thank you so much, you know, for allowing me to hang out with you today. And I do think, you know, when it comes to the offer pricing thing, that is something that I am very, very passionate about. So if you guys do need any help, um, also know that on YouTube, I've got a bunch of videos where I comp out houses and I come up with offers on homes live, um, on the spot, not planned out. And you'll see my thinking process and I talk out loud. So if you go on YouTube and you just search Lauren Hardy, you'll find my YouTube channel there. There's a bunch of virtual wholesaling videos there. That's great. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience and your expertise with uh, me and the uh, listeners. Thanks for having me. All right. There you have it, folks. Another episode of the Real Estate Podcast Academy. And we always appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure and subscribe and ring that bell so you get notified every time that we go live with a new episode. So wish you all the best. Looking forward to seeing all of you right back here on the next Private Money Academy podcast. Mm -hmm.